0: On Game Developer Podcast episode 29, we have Lindsay Pearson, VP of Franchise Creative for The Sims at Maxis, chatting about her 20 years with the franchise and sharing insights gleaned across a career in QA, production, and now brand leadership. Hello and welcome back to the GDC Podcast. Uh, Been a while, but we're glad to be back just in time to wrap up 2022, kick off 2023. I'm kind of losing track of time already. Uh, I'm Alyssa McLoone, your returning co-host and now publisher at GameDeveloper.com. This month, I'm joined by Game Developers Community Content Coordinator Holly Green, who has graciously agreed to step in and lend her extensive Sims knowledge to our chat with Lindsay today. Holly, I'll let you introduce yourself and what you do at Game Developer real quick.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Holly Green. I'm the Community Editorial Coordinator at Game Developer, and as one of the site's resident Sims experts and the director of our dev-authored content, I'm really happy to be here today. While I won't be taking over for the co-hosting role for Chris Graft, you'll probably hear me on other episodes in the future. So until then, I'm looking forward to our talk today with Lindsay Pearson, a woman with arguably one of the most impressive career arcs in video games.
0: Before we dive into today's chat with Lindsay, there are a few quick updates we should share. Uh, First off, we are celebrating a light rebrand for the podcast. Moving forward, we'll be running the show as the Game Developer Podcast. You'll catch a new logo hitting our podcast pages along with that update, but for the most part, the podcast does remain the same. You can still expect monthly interviews with folks from the wider game development community and the occasional GDC-related update. On top of that, we are talking about maybe introducing some additional content in the future, but more on that later. In terms of GDC updates to keep an eye on, uh, registration is in fact open for GDC 2023. This next show does run from March 20 to March 24. Register early or find out more details on gdconf.com. In addition, the GDC folks have been hard at work unveiling sessions for the next show. Um, One early sneak peek includes a case study on creating realistic facial motion for the quarry, which takes a focused look at digital domains technology and the pipeline developed for facial performance capture on the quarry. With all that said, uh, this brings us to our final big update. Today I am not joined by game developers Chris Graft. Chris has, after something like 13 years with the site and GDC, moved on from game journalism as a whole, really, into the wide world of marketing. Uh, the podcast will unfortunately be lacking in expertise on smoked meat moving forward, but listeners can keep up with Chris's latest endeavors in marketing and meat via his Twitter at Chris Graft. Those of you who keep up with GameDeveloper.com outside of the podcast might be able to guess who will be stepping in as our new official co-host, but we'll save that debut for next episode. And now, on to the podcast! Today's guest actually got her game development start at GDC, and the rest was history. She spent 20 years of her career working on the Sims franchise at EA and Maxis, starting out as a QA tester before branching into various production roles across The Sims 2, 3, and 4. She now serves as the VP of franchise creative for the series, and just last year led a GDC main stage talk on valuing inclusive game design. Let's welcome Lindsay Pearson. When I was going down your we like LinkedIn profile ahead of this doing all that like pre-research. Uh, <laughs> it was just like sims after sims after sims and a bunch of like production roles. But you got your start um, kind of like in QA originally. So I guess you want to kind of talk about uh, your first moments in the game industry, kind of like, what that introduction was like and how that springboarded from there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I actually didn't originally think about coming into the games industry. I played games and I loved games but I was really excited about computer graphics and movies and entertainment. And for some reason those things didn't connect in my head right away. Um, mm-hmm. So it was actually sort of late in my college years that um, my friends who are all game design majors took me to a GDC and said, hey, have you thought about games? And it like clicked like a light bulb for me of, oh, hey, this is all the things I love about movies, but you play them and you live in them. And so a good friend of mine was in uh, QA at the time at EA and said, hey, why don't you come join this QA program? And so I, I went to this training at the time where I, there was actually like a training process of here's how to test games and here's what it means. And um, then you got to tell them what kind of games you enjoyed. So of course I put down The Sims cause I had been playing it and they immediately were like, oh great, you're gonna test The Sims. And <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thrilled. Everybody else was like, oh no, I have to install The Sims over and over every day. But I was like, yes, I get to see all the secrets. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, it was really cool to start out and it really was like a crash course in game development of all the different roles, how everything comes together and like seeing behind that curtain was just really magical. And QA was a wonderful way to like get that first peek at game development overall.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think too for like a uh, sandbox games for one and for two, like a sandbox game and like the year 2000, like how different that had to look to see like what was going on behind the scenes with so many
2: like different simulations and everything running it had to be just like enlightening. <laughs> Well, I think what was really funny about The Sims is a whole lot of things that, that as a player I had thought were very clever were totally just random. <laughs> so like actually working with the team and saying, oh man, I loved how you made it so that my pet only drinks from the toilet when no one's watching. And they were like, yeah, that's just random. And I was like, oh, (laughs) really? Okay. (laughs) So it was just kind of fun to see how much of it was actually just a little bit chaos on purpose. Um, Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed that about The Sims because it just made it endlessly interesting to figure out what broke or how it was supposed to work when a lot of the time it was like an unintended interesting side effect. I
0: think the kind of like natural uh question that i ask everyone who has any qa experience is like what do you have like a flagship bug that was like when you were in those early days like something that just stuck with you that was like oh my gosh this is
2: wild oh my goodness that's a hard one because there were so many weird things that happened in the sims um i what was one of the good ones well uh, some of my favorite bugs were always when of course the wrong animation played at the wrong time so Mm -hmm. while we were testing really early sims 1 uh unleashed with the animals so many times the animals would start trying to play human animations and it was hilarious it was so (laughs) broken but it was so funny um occasionally the game would like randomly pull a cat to be your date if you went downtown on a blind date and it was just hilarious to like let it play out and see what happened um i think one of my favorite favorite bugs ever actually was sims 2 and um my sim cheated on her boyfriend and uh everyone in town got mad at her because the boyfriend was an npc and they were all one family and the way the feature was supposed to work was that their family would be mad at you. But in this particular case, it meant literally every single Sim in town was mad at my Sim. <laughs> so so like, like a fallout, like, ask, like everyone disliked that message popping up or something. Everybody. Yes. And so what meant is my Sim literally had to like stay in her house for days because if she went outside, somebody would come and slap her or kick over her trash can. It was like it was chaos. And I was like, oh, no, this is not supposed to happen.
0: <laughs> just emergent gameplay drama, though, is like an entire thing. And like, that's kind of like what The Sims is like, yes. from that's what I like. go for when I play I guess like uh there's different kinds of like sims players right and I want to touch on career more but like we're talking about the game so that's cool (laughs) um but like I know I'm kind of like a narrative person where when I play I jump in and do a lot of like I'll go into the pre-existing households and just play out their storylines I guess Holly I don't know where do you fall on
1: that kind of I'm more of a builder I'm a builder okay yeah okay
0: Lindsay, do you have like a play style that speaks to you there?
1: You know,
2: I have gone back and forth over the years. I think I tend to be a builder because that—I just where my brain goes. But I do really like getting deep into a story of recreating something silly um, or a uh, like something I've seen on TV. Um, mm-hmm. so I've played a lot of, like I, it, when I was playing early Sims 3, I recreated a household of Gem and the holograms just randomly. <laughs> and I was like, Incredible. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know, totally random. Um, I don't know, but I was like, here's my main character. I'm going to make her a rock star and all of her color coded, you know, roommates. Um, and I just like sort of seeing what I could do with that, um, story and, and sort of, I don't know giving myself a little bit of a hook to like pull through all these different features and try a bunch of different stuff was kind of fun
1: oh i was gonna ask um you know qa is so technical but obviously you know the roles that you've had in the sims franchise for like years and years and years now have been very creative um Mm -hmm. what was your first opportunity to kind of move between those two shifting roles what was your first creative opportunity within the series Yeah, that's a really good question. So
2: I was in QA with our team for about the first year of my career, actually, and I tested I came in just as we were working on The Sims Superstar and finishing up, I think, The Sims Deluxe at the time and pets. Uh, So I did a lot of those Sims one packs. And it's true. You have to really understand the fun part is I didn't have to be technical myself, but I got to have a lot of those conversations of, Oh, why is this breaking this way? This Mm. doesn't seem right. And sort of learning about it from that, that angle. And so my first foray onto the team was into a production role. Um, actually it was a production and design role for the Sims Make It magic. Uh, we had never really planned to make an extra expansion pack for the Sims one. We were going to move on to the Sims two, but, um, it you know, proved that we had some time and the opportunity to do another pack. And I actually had the chance to pitch an idea. So then I moved into this like design and production role for Make and Magic, um, which was really exciting. It got to be a little bit, um, again, a little bit of everything because producers kind of touch a lot of different parts of development.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that was my next question. Was it that production role look like? Do you get to um, suggest things that show up in the game or just kind of like shape uh, just the development of things that are already suggested by other people? Yeah. You know,
2: even, even at the very, very beginning as a super junior baby producer, it was an opportunity to make suggestions on features, suggestions to make features feel more fun. I had a chance to add icons to the game and like textures for walls and floors and write text. Like you really did have a chance to put stuff directly into the game that would go in front of people and work with the rest of the team who was building the more complicated features or complicated pieces of tech. So it was a like great place to jump in and just feel part of the broad process. And, um, I, you know, I'd like to say we still do that today. And I I think that is the case where even the newest folks joining our team today have a chance to come in and say, Ooh, I think this would be a cool touch. Or have we thought about this feature or Mm -hmm. could we write this funny bit of text about this joke, uh, and lean Mm -hmm. into this, you know, backstory. And I I love that about the Sims. It just makes for a really rich, like world of lore and, and universe stuff.
0: I think there was someone, this is a little bit of a side, sorry, uh, but there was someone on TikTok who was talking through, like, they had worked on writing some of the item descriptions there, and they would just do, like, TikToks every now and then talking about, like, oh, this item's connected to this, this is actually a joke to this, and there's just so much cool depth there in a narrative way, but, like, you wouldn't even know about unless you take the time to kind of, like, sit through it.
2: Well, and half of it is just we're entertaining ourselves, right? (laughs) And so it's fun for our players to find it, too, and make those connections. And certainly over the years, so many people have been fans of the series that they come in with their own little, like, ooh, here's what I thought that story was, and I'm going to put a a nod to it in the text I'm going to write or this icon I'm going to make. But I actually think that just makes it all the more interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say, too, coming up through, uh, I guess, Q&A, or Q&A, excuse me, Q&A and production (laughs) kind of, like have, at least now it feels like they're kind of like very under um, appreciated core roles to development, like they do so much to support the wider development process and don't always get kind of the attention or praise that honestly, I think they deserve. Um, So I guess kind of what about coming through QA and coming through production has given you kind of like knowledge that maybe your peers didn't have or that you like a unique perspective on how things work uh, that you're able to leverage with what you do now?
2: I think what I really appreciated about both of them, and it's probably why I've stuck with production for so long is you get to be sort of the first player. You get to put on that perspective of, yeah, I know we have design docs and tech docs and you could read all of them. That's fine, but you also have to set that aside and just say, okay, assuming I knew none of that and I'm just playing this how do I feel about it? How does it work? How does it match my expectations? And I think being able to look at that sort of 10,000 foot view and take a step back is is not something that every discipline on the team always gets to do, right? If you're solving a really hard tech problem, it's hard to get out of that and look at the bigger picture just because it's not what you're tasked to do, but a producer or a QA member or a tester, that's exactly what they have to do is they have to look at it as like fresh eyes as they possibly can. Um, and I just think that's really it's exciting. You get to be, you get to be that first player (laughs) and it's really exciting to get to be like at that forefront and see things as they get put together. Mm -hmm. The other kind of
0: side of production too is like you work with a lot of like cross-disciplined teams. Like you're not like, especially on your like resume when I was going through and kind of doing my pre-research, a lot of times you were like the touch point between like the animation team and the narrative team or like different teams working. How do you kind of like, foster good um, cross-discipline, like, communication for people who might not necessarily work together or who might not necessarily understand what the other one's doing? Like, how do you productively facilitate those conversations?
2: That's actually one of my favorite things about production is you get to be this hub, and it is about a little bit of translation. Like, okay, how do I tell the artist's this really weird technical reality or how do i translate this really important stylistic goal into this weird technical reality and like trying to close those gaps is a fun puzzle that puzzle of bringing together these different perspectives and trying to find the the singular vision that everybody can rally around and get excited about no matter their perspective or approach Um, and i think in terms of best practices it's a lot of listening and learning and finding commonalities that maybe those individuals themselves don't see so I feel like I'm in a lot of conversations where I will say, oh, engineer and artist, you're actually talking about the exact same thing, but you're coming at it from this way and you're coming at it from that way. So what if we, what if we think of it this way, right? You get a chance to sort of like mirror back what you're hearing from all these different people.
0: Um, I think a lot of my questions um, and Holly may yours too, um, are going to be kind of like then versus now, I guess too, because it's just yeah. an interesting perspective to get on the industry, especially with like your experience and your resume. Uh, so I guess like with a production kind of focus... How has that journey? How has that process like shifted since like you first got into the role versus like your latest production credits? Like, is it very different communication wise? Has it evolved for the better? Like, how how do those landscapes look?
2: Well, I mean, the the easiest thing to say is it certainly gets more and more complicated year over year because <laughs> more <laughs> games, moving parts, right? Yeah, games are hard, right? <laughs> um, and that seems so silly, but it's true. And it is you have bigger teams, you have bigger problems, you have more complicated technology. Um, there's more platforms to reconcile with, so it's a lot of coordination that has gotten a little bit more complex in figuring out how to navigate all the all the pieces fitting together. Um, I'd say actually one of the other biggest things I've seen change in production is the relationship to uh, our customers and player feedback. We have so many channels now that we didn't have when I started 20 years ago, right? We used mm-hmm. to like work as our team in a bit of a silo and maybe you got a chance to do a focus test with some people, but otherwise you just kind of built your thing and then like wrapped it in a little box and shipped it off and hoped everybody loved it. Um, But now there's so many more paths for us to bring people in and test things early, give us feedback, be part of our, um, you know, creative conversations, uh, even if that's just even on social. And that changes the relationship entirely of like what our player expectations are for the experience and how we think about what they might enjoy. So it's like a totally different problem space now, but a really exciting one.
0: I think like the Sin Guru program, right? You were involved in kind of getting like kicking that up. And that's kind of a very good example of exactly what you're just talking about a little bit. Um, I guess, right. Am I off the yeah. mark there?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. You're, But even that, right. We started that maybe gosh, 10 years ago. Now it's been, it's been in place or some version of it for a long time. Maxis used to even be on our forums. Um, and that started a little as just, Oh, Hey, let's share some behind the scenes information for you. And it is now turned into actually, having relationships with a lot of people within our community and sharing more about the games that I like, even outside of the Sims, because it's, it's just me as a human talking about what it means to make the Sims or, um, sharing a piece of concept art from behind the scenes. So it's, it it has changed, um, in, in the relationship we even have to our consumers and, and customers over the years, which is, uh, I don't think we ever expected, right. When you started 10 years ago, you're like, oh, we'll just share some fun stuff. Um, but now it's like this whole other. It's this whole other uh, way of interacting. It's this whole other way of connecting. And it's, uh, I love that open transparency that we've been able to foster. And I love the open communication. But it is uh, a different kind of pressure and a different kind of challenge to reconcile as another layer of like game development to worry about. And, you know, our sim gurus are not just producers or just designers, they actually come from a lot of different disciplines across the team, and it's people who are just really passionate about what they do, and they want to be able to talk about it with our fans, which I think is really, is, is really cool, actually. I think,
0: like, uh, I don't know, I've always kind of, like, admired the Guru program, I think, too, because it gives kind of, like, developers a way to interact with the community without kind of putting their personal accounts um, in the spotlight, too, which I know can be an interesting space to navigate on social media. Uh, but you guys were kind of like earlier with that direct communication than I feel like a lot of people, like are more people are doing it now. But it feels like that was kind of something you guys focused on earlier on um, than a lot of other companies right now.
2: Yeah, I think The Sims, like our DNA had always been very focused on the players adding so much into the experience. So even Sims 1, you know, 20 years ago was doing... Um, sort of BBS message board, let's plays (laughs) where they would literally be like, Oh, we're going to do something in the game. Tell us what we should try Uh, and doing a lot of, um, behind the scenes share out. So it's just something that Maxis has always done given the nature of our game being almost more of a toy and a set of like tools than a particular game. And I think it just feels really natural then to say, how are you playing with this? Ooh, let's talk about that. Or, Oh, that's a cool idea. How'd you do it? Right. There's just a natural back and forth. So along those community development lines uh that spirit's very
0: apparent in the sims 4 especially with like how involved the community is via the in-game like creation sharing gallery and other features built directly into the game how do you craft community initiatives to get players involved with the game on that level
2: yeah we've done a few things over the years because as, as i mentioned like the sims in its just dna is it is a game meant to be played in so many different ways and that's going to depend on who you are as a player and what you enjoy, right? Just like you guys mentioned, maybe you're a storyteller, maybe you're a builder and that means you're going to be using these tools in a different way. So we have spent a lot of focus over the years trying to figure out how to provide more outlets for that and opportunities to connect um, players to the types of creations or creators they might really like. Um, That could be everything from, uh, taking content from creators and putting it directly in the game. Something we did as far back as The Sims 2 actually, uh, we had a fashion contest and the, the winning looks actually were put into the game directly. Sims 4 has done that with player created, um, content. We certainly do that with regards to highlighting people's, um, creations or featuring them on things like, uh, streaming events that we've done. So there's a lot of different forms that that can take, but the, the goal really is to recognize this relationship that our that our players and our creators have to The Sims and help share that really, like help expose it to more of the audience, expose it to more of the players and um, give people new ideas, spark new ideas of how to play The Sims or, ooh, I hadn't thought of that, let me try that. Um, Because there's there's so many things in the game that it it feels like you're always just scratching the surface if you just kind of jump in cold. So it's really cool to see how other people have used it or built something or created a character and told a story that you maybe never thought of.
1: I'd like to talk to you a little bit about branding. Um, You know, I was just sitting here kind of thinking of how long I've been playing The Sims and um, why people play The Sims. And it's a series that really touches on aspirational living, right? Like, so many people live out, you know, in these entire fantasy worlds. And when I look at what's going on now with the Metaverse and how people are trying to incorporate branding into those, um, you know, virtual spaces, it's remarkable how much The Sims has already set up such a good... Model for that because I remember, be, you know, back then branded content within a game wasn't considered very cool, but when The Sims did it, I was like, Oh, this makes sense to me and I like this. Um, you know, uh, what do you look for in brands to collaborate and how does it kind of fit in with your guys' deline- design philosophies and what you know about Sims players?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I also am a big fan and I feel the same way when we integrate brands, I'm like, Oh, this is super exciting because. I see my sims as little people that live in a similar to my world, but not my world place. And so, you know, I, as a real person enjoy brands. So why wouldn't my Sims enjoy brands? Um, And so what we, what we look for is really what, um, what makes sense within the universe of the Sims, given the way that you play with your Sims and what those characters can do. And what does the brand. Um, stand for, right? Like a lot of our partners come from a lot of the same values we do, whether that is creative expression or um, something to help sort of tell a story about who my character is or who I am. Um, and, you know, we've worked with so many different brands over the years that are representative of all those different aspects of things that The Sims has has come to stand for over time. Um, if I think of just recent things we've done with The Sims 4, Um, you know, we, we worked with, we worked with Moschino because they have this really kind of out there style that felt like it could belong in a Sims world. If you were telling the story of someone trying to recreate fashion spreads and cool photographs, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we worked with Mac because again, it was like this expressive makeup palettes that you could put on your Sims to really create new characters and new stories. Um, even working with Star Wars, which I know is something people were definitely not expecting, was an opportunity for us to let you live out a different story, which is exactly what Star Wars and Galaxy's Edge and Batu were were doing. And so it was really exciting to come to these opportunities and say, what is this brand about? What is The Sims about? And can we find a really cool overlap um, that we think our players would appreciate? And starting from that point is how we make it feel like it belongs in the game, as opposed to like this really weird add-on Um, or extra piece that doesn't make sense. Um,
0: when it comes to being with a brand for 20 years, like that's not a lot of a thing. A lot of people do a lot of like, especially like nowadays, it feels like there's a lot of moving around between different companies, even like within one company moving between different brands um, that they own. So I guess, like, can you talk a little bit about what the experience is like growing kind of like being with a brand for 20 years, um, carrying that identity forward and kind of like growing your own
2: career as you're like watching this evolve around you? Yeah, you know, it's it's certainly nothing I would have predicted at the time that I started. Um, and I think what has what has been really exciting for me reflecting back on the past 20 years is, one, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. I still feel like I'm learning things all the time. So it doesn't feel like I've ever mastered it, right? I don't know everything. I can't know everything. And that keeps it um, just really interesting. But two, it's, it somehow also feels like, I've been with The Sims since the beginning, and I can't imagine like not being here to be part of its evolution. Um, the Sims is such a unique and special place that like growing my career alongside it really felt like a perfect fit because just like The Sims needed to continue and adapt to new audiences, what's going on in the world, um, what is the new technology or platforms out there, I had a chance as a as an individual to learn about all these new things as they were happening. So I always get to keep up with uh, what is happening in entertainment in other areas or what's going on with brands and how could we reimagine some of those things in the world of The Sims. And that keeps it really fresh and keeps it really new. And in terms of working with a big team and in a big company like EA, I've had a chance to meet so many amazing people working on other uh, big franchises or working through other really challenging problems that I just feel like there's always... There's always something I can do to help and always something I can do to learn, which has kept me constantly going because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to learn the next thing. I want to, I want to go help that team. I want to go help this problem. Um, I know that that sounds very um, silly, but day to day like that, that's the thing that really keeps me going is how, how do I just keep help pushing us forward and how do I help the Sims be like the best Sims that it can be, right? you. Um, a lot of production in your resume, so it makes
0: a lot of sense here. And you talk about yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah, producer answer. It's very producer, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: Do you have any advice for people who are looking to make that transition into production? Like, what sort of uh, educational background would they need to have these days? And what sort of opportunities should they be looking for if they're already within a company?
2: Yeah, I think that's a good question. And you know, producers I think can come from lots of places and we have people coming from technical backgrounds or art backgrounds or business backgrounds. Production's a really interesting space because you get a chance to kind of be in the middle of all of that and whatever your particular lens is that you bring to the table is going to color how you grow as a producer. Right. If you are a very, very technical producer, you may become that producer who understands the ins and outs of software delivery and execution and how we could build better processes and better connect with um, players or uh, facilitate the way the team works. Right. Well, if you're a producer like myself that comes in with that creative angle, it's all about how do I connect with my players and how do I bring this brand to life in new and exciting ways? And how do I make these features feel as good as possible? So if i were to recommend any particular education like definitely find the thing that you love and you're passionate about and think about how that lens would help you across the broad swath of sort of disciplines that go into making a game whether that's working with engineering or art or marketing or any of these different groups that you might that you might connect with and then you know a huge part of production is communication you have to be able to talk to anyone and listen to anyone and process and sort of collate all that information. And then mirror that back and say, okay, I hear all this stuff and we're, we're going to go left and everybody's really excited about left, let's go. Um, so spend a lot of time thinking about how much you want to be a holder of information and a distributor of information, because you will spend a lot of time in that sort of middle zone of connecting these disparate dots between all these cool, exciting, talented people making these crazy games come to life.
1: Do you have any advice for people in a position similar to yours where you're your senior management and you're um, how do you scout and kind of support and help cultivate and bring up, you know, your your younger and more novice talent into yeah. these roles?
2: Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of a philosophy I heard from um, I think it was uh, Kevin Fahey actually in Marvel, which talks about go find the. um sort of unexpected talent, he called it something else, but the idea that the skill set may not translate to exactly what you thought, right? Maybe they're not an expert in games, but they're an expert in fashion, right? Mm -hmm. That totally applies to The Sims. Um, Maybe they've come up through your modding community and they can help show you a totally different perspective on what it means to create content for The Sims. So I'm a big fan of this idea that you can find experience in what I, I guess I would call non-traditional paths where someone didn't necessarily come up through game dev, but they have this amazing and fresh perspective to offer on something very relevant to your experience. And that um, should be valued. Like, I think you should seek those things out because it's gonna help you make better games. It's gonna help you build a better team. I think kind
0: of calling back to, like you said, you got your start. I think have, this might've been a pre-call conversation, but you went to that first GDC, you were a CA um, at, GDC like years and years and years ago, um, what kind of like, I guess, advice would you give yourself if you could like time travel, like that one cliche question, um, what advice would you kind of like give yourself when you were in that starting position that you might've wanted to hear as someone just getting their foot into the game industry, just starting like the CA program or exploring GDC for the first
2: time. I think definitely keep your mind open, right? Like know what gets you excited and sparks your interest, but give yourself the opportunity to see how, Something that may not feel like it fits that might actually be a closer fit than you think, right? So give yourself the chance to try different things, learn about different parts of the process, learn about different roles in a team, because you might find something that actually speaks to you a heck of a lot more than you thought. I mean, I was convinced I was going to be a 3D modeler making movie special effects, and that is <laughs> definitely not where I am now, because <laughs> because I, I got a chance to see so much more behind the curtain that I was like, ooh, actually this is a skill I really wanna lean into or this is the thing that really gets me excited. And so like, mm-hmm. leave yourself space to think about something that maybe isn't what you thought it might be. <laughs> that sounds vague, but <laughs> give no, yourself it's hard. a little it's opening. A <laughs> not limit yourself,
0: right? Because especially yeah. I
2: think when, when I was in high school, I was like,
0: oh, I'm gonna be a game journalist when I wrote up and that is entirely what I focused on. And I'm very happy where I'm at, obviously I love my job, Um, But there is kind of, like, being open and understanding, like, you have X amount of skills that go in X areas and kind of, like, understanding how that interacts with different things, especially in game development, like you mentioned, right?
2: Yeah. Um, Where you
0: have, like, certain expertise and understanding, like, oh, that actually would be a good fit for, like, this kind of thing, or you have a lot more knowledge than you think, right?
2: Oh, 100%. And I think those skills that you maybe don't even value about yourself will come through in ways you don't expect. Like, I was a very quiet person all through high school. I was not the person to speak up. I never would have assumed that I would be like talking about the Sims on giant corporate stages, but it's it's a, I learned that I just am very, very passionate about the things that I do and I can use that in these other ways. And that wasn't something that I like recognized about myself right off the bat. So there's a little bit of like, know what gets you excited and know what some of your skills are, but also like give yourself a chance to maybe learn ones you didn't know you had. Yeah. I think that's just great
0: advice, like, across the board. <laughs> I enjoy how we've turned this last kind of the back part of the, the conversation here into, like, give us all of your uh, game industry advice. <laughs> it's like, what are your, your one big tip to being a game developer, I guess?
1: You know, I'm, I'm curious, um, and I apologize if I'm putting you a little on the spot here. Um, hopefully we can just edit this out if it doesn't go well. No, um, <laughs> You know, The the Sims has always built, been built, I feel, on this understanding that at the end of the day your players are, are playing as a, as a form of self-expression and um i think to that end the fact that you have sometimes been leaders in addressing certain issues of identity with the game like that i think that just fits in with with what you're already doing um you know we've over the years you guys have addressed you know hairstyles and skin tones and pronouns and gender and all these different things what do you think is kind of the next frontier for self-expression in games have we like hit the ceiling have we done all there is to do or do you think we could go further Oh gosh, I think we can definitely go further. There is
2: always more because self-expression comes in so many forms. It's not just creating a character that looks like me, although that's super important, but also can I tell stories and create worlds or create um, narratives that feel relevant to my life and my experiences and talk about the people I know or or the people that are part of my life. And so I think that we're going to see self-expression extend beyond... Um, the choices I might make about a character or the content even in my game into the tools that the players themselves have access to to put their own stamp on it, right? I mean, you see this already in the world of like content and modding and players putting their own spin in it, but I think that's gonna become just a more core part of the experience of the game rather mm. than this thing you do outside of it. Because that it, it just goes right at that same heart of exactly, as you said, valuing creative expression and self-expression means how do I just continue to give you more and more tools to let you really do with it what you will, so to speak, right? How do I let you take it as far as you have in your head and make that part of your core experience?
0: I think that kind of, like, feeds into a lot of, um, like, it, it becomes a cycle right in a way, uh, where I think I went to a talk, ooh, was it last year, 2019, I can't remember, um, that was a Sims talk about kind of, like, inclusive design, and one of the bullet points mentioned was if you have a team that is, like, di- diverse in, like, background and sexual orientation and race and, like, experience, like you mentioned, people coming from fashion, you get so many kind of organic opportunities to, your game grow and to have conversations about how games can be more inclusive how games can be more kind of robust and cover like reflect reality better on how we want it to and that's kind of like speaks to what you're talking about about like um team leadership and like uh fostering like younger talent and newer people and helping people kind of find their voice in the games industry um as well not a question just a comment but i wanted to like <laughs> that tied something nicely in my head for me hearing
2: you say all that yes i agree and that might have been my talk i think i did talk oh about <laughs> at the a couple of years ago no but i care a lot about it because you're totally right right and especially with a game like the sims that is this sort of mirror to the world around us with maybe a you know slightly more optimistic view of the way things work we have the chance to put those tools out there and say you know how would you make this world a little bit better and tell your story um and how do we give you a platform to keep doing that which i think is just a really exciting challenge that um i've said time and time again like the sims will never be done with <laughs> there's no end state we just have to keep trying and pushing and and continuing to grow and figure out how to give our players even more flexibility more tools more more space to really make the game what um, what they can.
0: I feel like I should do a couple like uh, content plugs here with like, check out that talk that's maybe by Lindsay, possibly on the GDC Vault if you have access to it. <laughs> um, and then you also did a great interview with uh, Brian Francis on Game Developers Team here a couple months ago that kind of like talked about, um, I think like Metaverse and uh, kind of, like, dealing around tech debt and all those very interesting like technical problems that The Sims, like it's almost unique to in a way and deals with that and a lot of games don't experience so i won't make you like restate all of your answers <laughs> there but like audience definitely go check out that interview it's on game um pretty good website i think uh, but it was a good shot i think um we are coming up pretty close to time here i did kind of want to ask and this is a very broad question to close out on um so well i'm just holly did you have anything else you wanted to ask while we're here too i don't want to close the door too early ah oh, no i'm sitting pretty Cool, cool, cool. Um, So the very broad question that I'm sorry for ahead of time is uh, going back to kind of like, I I guess the theme of the conversation has been a lot of um, how things have changed and grown over time, both in your career, both across the Sims and across like the wider industry. But I'd like to kind of just talk about uh, 2002, like the early 2000s when you got your start and like when the Sims came out, um, it's a very different industry to what it is now. Mm -hmm. I guess in a super kind of like broad question way, um, how do you feel... How do you personally feel like the industry has grown and changed um, in those like in 20 years? right? Um, and what do you feel like the strengths are now, the opportunities are now versus then.
2: I think gaming in general and our industry overall is going through um, just this like massive expansion of recognizing how many different ways people can play, whether that's literally game mechanics and platforms to the different types of stories that people can play. The definition of even a game is so much broader than it was 20 years ago. It used oh, yeah. to feel very much like, oh, you know, I have a character that, you know, beats a monster or beats a level and then I'm done. But this idea now that games can take so many more forms and they can actually be like playing a living novel or I can be uh, you know, simulating an interesting world problem. Like there's just this really broad definition now that I think is super exciting. And it's a really good time for more and more voices to come into the mix because we're going to find even more interesting mechanics, more interesting stories, and, um, more ways to provide these like interactive experiences for people to think about the world differently. Honestly, like maybe that's a little too broad, but I, I genuinely think interactive entertainment and games specifically, like change the way people think about the world around them. And I love the fact that we're seeing that come to life in everything from big games to indie games, to just little experimental games. And everyone has a chance to like put their voice out there. Um, so it's a great time to join games, <laughs> is the short version. <laughs> There's a lot was- left to be done.
0: It's <laughs> a wonderful, like uh very broad, like the question was, but in a very kind of like nice <laughs> bow on everything uh way. So I appreciate that, thank you. <laughs> Um, I will say too, that's about all the time we have here. Um, Lindsay, I guess, uh, do you want to social media plugs anywhere if people want to hear more from you, hear more about what you're doing in The Sims, where can they follow you online or check
2: out? yeah well i would definitely say keep up with the sims on um twitter instagram we're all over the place on any of our big news we always have something exciting going on if you want to follow me particularly i'm sim guru lindsay on twitter although um i don't talk all that often so (laughs) i'll be there once in a while you'll catch me online a little bit it's really good when you do say something right i I just use it sparingly no (laughs) i just get distracted honestly i won't lie Relatable. All
0: right. um, I think that it's (laughs) all the time we have then for this conversation, but I really appreciate you joining us, Lindsay. And thanks to everyone um, listening for hopping back on with the GD podcast. It's been a blast. Thanks. Thank you.